Well, good morning. My name is Ben. I'm the lead pastor here at CORE. If we have not had the opportunity to meet yet, and like Josh said just a few minutes ago, we are so incredibly excited and count ourselves privileged to be able to spend this morning with each and every one of you, whether this morning's your very first time here, you're back for the hundredth time, or you're simply checking us out online. As we continue with our third and final part of this series that's leading us to Christmas that we are calling Holy Moments. And throughout this series, we've addressed this tension that exists in every single one of our lives. This tension that for every single one of us, as we look back throughout the course of our lives and our story, we recognize that there are these defining moments that have become crossroads towards something better or something worse in our lives simply because of the choice we've made in that moment. And yet here's the kicker that we've addressed as we've moved through this series is that if we look back on our past and can recognize that our past is full of these defining moments that have become tipping points for our lives, then what we should also recognize is that our future will be full of those exact same moments. Is that our future will be full of moments in which the choices we make will either take us towards something better or take us towards something worse. And if that's the case, that our future is going to be full of those defining moments that become a tipping point for the rest of our lives, don't we want to get them right? Don't we want to know how to make the right choices and actually make them as we approach those defining, dare I say, holy moments of our future? Those moments that carry potential for the sake of our marriages, for the sake of our finances, for the sake of the way in which we do life in our workplaces, the example that we set within our neighborhoods, and ultimately the futures that we have from this moment forward. Don't we want to be able to look back on those moments someday and be able to say, I'm so glad I made the choice I made, even if that choice was hard, even if that choice didn't make sense in the moment, even if that choice didn't come with all the answers in the moment. I'm so glad that in that defining moment of my life, I made a choice to go that direction. It was this holy moment that changed my life. And throughout this series, we've come back to this exact same launching point, this truth that sets us up to recognize these moments in our life and the power behind these moments. And that launching point has been this, is that when we look at our life when all is said and done, Life won't be measured by time. Our lives won't be measured by the amount of years we spend on this earth. No, no, no. Life is measured in moments. It's the moments that we seize, the moments that we create. The moments that we make the right choices against all odds, the moments that we make the right choices and we can look back saying, I'm so glad that I made the choice I made, even when it didn't make sense, even when it wasn't easy. But to get us to the right side of these defining moments in our lives, we've taken a journey back to the coming of Christ. And we've begun to explore some of the defining moments and some of the most critical uh, characters in that very first Christmas. And began to look at the choices that they made that became a tipping point for their future and ultimately for the future of the world around them. 
and what we've acknowledged along the way is this, is that what we believe with all of our hearts is this, is that the accounts that we encounter some 2,000 years ago in these defining moments are still things that you and I encounter right here, right now, today, some 2,000 years later. That the choices that were made around the coming of Christ are still as practical and applicable to your life and my life right here, right now, today, for the sake of our lives, for the sake of our stories, and for the sake of our futures. And so a couple weeks ago, we began this series by looking at the account and this moment in the life of Jesus' earthly father, Joseph. And we began to uncover the power of a moment of obedience. And then last week, through the account and a moment in the life of Jesus' earthly mother, Mary, we began to uncover the power of a moment of surrender. And yet what we began to discover in the first two weeks of this series was this, is that the way in which we look at those two words and those two concepts needs redefined. Because when we look at words like obedience and surrender, those things come with a whole lot of negative connotations in your life and in my life. And when we look at the word obedience, none of us wants somebody else to tell us what to do. When we look at the word surrender, none of us wants to relinquish control. And yet what if by redefining the definition of those two words and looking at those two words through a different lens, it actually set us up to make healthier choices for the sake of our futures in the defining moments of our lives, those tipping points that determined what direction our future went in. But today, we put a bow on this series by approaching a third choice in our lives, in our Christmas seasons that doesn't get any easier than the first two. You see, today, we approach the decision of boldness in every single one of our lives and in every single one of our stories. And yet, when we throw out this word, boldness, what we recognize is that throughout each of these first three weeks, each of these concepts have been difficult for us to step into courageously. But when I look at the first two, the reasoning behind why it's difficult in the first two weeks is vastly different than this week. You see, when it comes to, to things like obedience and surrender, the things that hold us back from stepping into those choices are typically inner selfish pride that all of us carry around. It's the reason that we don't want to give into or follow steps of obedience in our lives is because of the pride that we carry. I don't need somebody else to tell me what to do because I can fix it on my own. I can do this myself. I can figure it out myself. The reason why we don't step into surrender in our lives is because we don't want to relinquish control. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty good at being a control freak. And I don't want to give anybody else control over my circumstances, over my life, over my future. There are all these inner selfish battles going on. And yet when we look at the concept of boldness, what holds us back isn't this inner selfish dilemma that takes place in all of us as humanity. No, no, no. The thing that holds us back from boldness in our lives and our stories and our relationships and our interactions with other people is actually fear. 
that we carry around this fear inside of us. Fear of the unknown. Fear in our lives that the outcome is worth the risk. We hesitate until we're certain that everything is going to turn out all right, and we hesitate or we delay until the risk is as small as it can possibly be. Just this last Monday, we got a newer delivery guy from FedEx that has started delivering to the church. And as you can imagine, as we head towards Christmas Eve and all the changes around here and the added elements, that throughout our weeks, there have been quite a few deliveries that have been happening as we approach Christmas, maybe the same as yours. Prime is busy nowadays. And yet as this new delivery guy walked into my office with a stack of boxes and dropped them down, I approached him with what I thought was sort of the standard greeting. I just asked him how he was doing, and I thanked him for delivering the packages that he was dropping off in my office. As he set the packages down and he turned around to to leave, he turned back around and he asked this question. He said, what's so different about you? He said, I deliver to a lot of different houses and a lot of different businesses in this area. And yet when I walk into places like that, it seems so mundane and so stale. And yet when I walk in here, you greet me as if you're happy in the midst of the chaos of Christmas. And I rarely get people who say anything to me, let alone the boss who says anything to me. And yet when I walk in here, there's just something different. No joke, y'all. And you guys know me. I'm not the most outgoing person, and I'm certainly not the most bubbly person. Something was at work in this moment. And I looked at him, and I, I simply told him, man, I, I just, I love what I do. Even on the days I don't like it, I love what I get to do every single day. And I love being a part of working here at this church, and I love what's happening around here. And so I don't know. As we began to talk about that, the conversation shifted just a bit, and I asked him about his life and his Christmas, and if he was ready for it, and he began to tell me about his family and what they were doing to prepare for their crazy, chaotic Christmas season. And in the moment, as this conversation was happening, on the back end of that question, there sat on my desk, invites to Christmas Eve. And there was this nudge inside of me. And maybe you've been there before where there's this nudge that happens, this pull. And yet in that moment, it was like, well, the conversation's already shifted just a little bit. We started talking about different things. We started talking about his life and his family and his Christmas and everything that's going on. And he's getting ready to walk out the door. And maybe now just isn't the time. And in the moment, I hesitated. I hesitated to repose the question and to say, you want to know what's different about me? Man, I'd love for you to come be a part of Christmas here at CORE. And I hesitated because the fear inside of me, yeah, y'all, your pastor, you got the best of me. And our new delivery guy walked out the door to finish his route. And no joke, I haven't seen him again since Monday. He hasn't been back to make another delivery. We've had a FedEx delivery and it's been somebody different. 
And you see, what I'm willing to bet about your life is this. Is that over the course of the next week or even the next two weeks in your life, you'll have multiple opportunities to share the hope and the love of Jesus if you consider yourself to be a Jesus follower. And it may not be direct words about Jesus. It may be the ways in which you interact with someone, the way in which you show love to someone, the way in which you react to someone and how they're acting at your family Christmas get-together. And it might seem normal. Oh, this is just a chat with the neighbor. This is just a conversation around the water cooler with a coworker. It's just a person that I ran into at the coffee shop as we were both standing there waiting for our drinks to get finished. It's just the waitress at your favorite restaurant, a coworker, or someone you go to school with in your last few days before Christmas break. And it seems like it's normal. But it's not. That that conversation, that that opportunity, that that holy moment is a divine appointment, an opportunity to be something different. And begin to understand that engaging in just a little bit of boldness in those conversations and the love you show and the words that you use back up this reality that those of us who follow Jesus believe with all of our hearts. That you have no idea what God might do through one moment of boldness to change someone's life. You have no idea how God might use one moment of boldness to change someone's life. There will be a moment over the course of the next couple of weeks where you're prompted and you'll either do something or you'll hesitate. And hear me on this, y'all. Much like me, there will always be something that is trying to hold you back. And that something more likely than not will be the enemy. He will always plant doubt and fear in your mind in those moments. But today is an opportunity for you individually, for us collectively, to begin to live, to begin to believe, to begin to say to ourselves, to hell with hesitation. That there are these defining moments in which we can act with boldness or we can hesitate. And today, we're going to move forward and begin to live as if we understand that we are being called to this divine moment. You see, so far throughout this series, we've zeroed in on the moments surrounding the announcement of the pregnancy of Jesus. And yet today, we fast forward from those moments in Mary and Joseph's story to the announcement of the actual birth of Jesus. An announcement that is made to the seemingly unlikeliest of people. At the very first announcement of the birth of Jesus came to the shepherds. A small group of men outside of the city of Bethlehem who were guarding a bunch of sheep as it became dark. 
And over the course of the first couple of weeks, we've really hunkered down in Luke's account of the coming of Jesus, chapter 1. And today we fast forward literally just one chapter into chapter 2. And here we find how this announcement to the unlikeliest of people took place. In Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8, it says this. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, meaning the shepherds, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. And maybe if you're one of those people who loves to take notes and you fill in the blank as we move through this with the pen that's in your hand, the word that you need to underline right now is all people. The Savior. Yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Now to take you back to this moment and to adequately set the stage for you and I so that we understand the historical context and we understand the full depth of exactly what's happening within this passage, what I want us all to understand is this, is that this announcement to these shepherds is taking place some 400 years after the last time any people had heard from God. There were 400 years of silence. The last time anyone had heard from God was through a prophet named Malachi. And Malachi began to lay out for for the people That the father's heart will return back to the children, and the children's heart will return back to the father, and then silence. And sometimes I think it's hard for us to get a grasp as we look back a couple of thousand years of what 400 years of silence really means or really looks like, or to even calculate it in our minds. 400 years of silence is like from the time that the pilgrims came on the Mayflower until now. That's 400 years, y'all, of nothing from God, of waiting and expectation for this moment. But here's what's incredible. After 400 years of silence, at least the way my mind computes it, 400 years of God being able to work up his best plan possible, The announcement doesn't come to the kings. The announcement doesn't come to the rich and famous. The announcement doesn't come to the societal elites. It doesn't even come to people of power or significance in their world. This moment and this announcement comes to a group of shepherds? Really? But that one moment, that one happening carries a message greater than maybe what we've ever heard. Why? Well, here's what you need to understand about shepherds. 
some 2,000 years ago as it pertains to ancient Jewish culture and ancient Roman culture. You see, 2,000 years ago in the Roman world and in the Jewish society, shepherds were an outcast in both of the major facets of life. First, what we know is that shepherds were societal outcasts. What we know when we go back through history 2,000 years ago is that shepherds were not even allowed to testify in court. They were so low on the societal totem pole, you can't trust a shepherd. They're dirty, and they can't be trusted to come back into main society and even give a truthful account. Shepherds in ancient Jewish and Roman society weren't allowed to buy or sell land. Your primary means of gathering wealth and riches, they were prohibited from taking part in that. That's how low they were on the societal rung. But it didn't end there. You see, shepherds were also religious outcasts. In ancient Jewish culture, it was believed that shepherds were ceremoniously unclean. And here's what that meant, y'all. It meant that if you were a shepherd, you were not even allowed to step foot on the temple grounds. You weren't invited to church, y'all. That's how they viewed shepherds some 2,000 years ago. And if you were a parent in ancient Jewish culture, you would begin to teach your kids that shepherds were so dirty and religiously unclean that if you saw them coming, you were to go to the other side of the road to walk past them. That's how shepherds were viewed by society. That's how shepherds were viewed by the religious society even some 2,000 years ago. And yet this, this is who was chosen to receive the most world-altering message ever. And this is why that is so significant. It was this statement 2,000 years ago by our God that this baby is literally for everyone. The king came to establish an upside-down kingdom that put the last first. This savior had come not for the cleanest parts of our lives and the cleanest parts of our world. This savior had come for the dirtiest. And when the shepherds received this news, this was their response. In Luke chapter 2, verse 16. So the shepherds checked their schedule, had a family discussion about whether it was worth it and fit into what they felt like doing. They scheduled everything else, thought about the things that could go wrong, and decided that they didn't have time and it was probably too late anyways. This is from the modern busy Christmas translation. See, some 2,000 years ago, they received news that a savior had come to be a part of their life when nobody else would. A savior had come with a gift that no one else could give. And as crazy as the modern, busy Christmas translation sounds, y'all, when we get honest enough, oftentimes that's the way we approach our Savior. 
That's how we typically respond some 2,000 years later. Well, we'll kind of have to just see if we can squeeze Jesus in this weekend. I don't really want to talk about the, the gift that Jesus gave to me because it might be just a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah, I invest in my retirement. I invest in stuff. I invest in my kids' schedules. But I'm not so sure there's really th anything left for me to invest in my Savior. No, the shepherds saw the importance of this defining moment. And this is how they chose to react in the actual verse 16. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. There was no hesitation. There was no list of things that needed to be done before they went and did this. What did it say? Immediately, they hurried off to the village to find this baby. They acted with boldness, and they went immediately. And, y'all, I don't know if you realize this or not. Do you realize that Christmas is the time of year in which you are most likely to get a yes from someone else to come to church. People who don't yet know Jesus, people who want nothing to do with the church, are most likely to say yes during this time of the year, even more so than Easter. Right here, right now, we have an opportunity to change the world. That there are people who don't know Jesus who would probably say yes if someone invited them. If someone offered to sit with them. If someone took some time to slow down and care about them. Right here within our city, y'all, over 7,000 people are honest and straightforward about the fact that they don't go to church. And y'all, I don't know about you, but when I mesh those two truths together, my heart cries out, God, give me a sense of urgency. Give me a sense of boldness. No more with the hesitation. Give me the boldness to follow your prompting. And I get it, y'all. None of us want to be those weird people, right, who make it uncomfortable for others. That's not what boldness is about. Jesus was bold. He found a way to meet people right where they were and simply extend an invitation. Nothing more, nothing less. But there are always some common things that hold us back. For some of us, it's simply embarrassment. I don't want to feel the embarrassment of somebody telling me no. I don't want to feel the embarrassment of thinking that maybe I'm the weird, uncomfortable one now. I don't want to feel the embarrassment of I'm not really sure what to say, and I don't want to mess this up. 
And so we choose in the midst of our embarrassment and, and going through all of the worst possible outcomes to just not do it at all. To just play it safe. For some of us, the thing that holds us back is in the hustle of the Christmas season, it's so easy to forget about the gift that we've been given. And the way in which it has not just transformed my life, but has altered my eternity. And y'all, I can't speak for you. I can only speak for myself. But I think the boldness that I operated with on a daily basis would be vastly different if I woke up every single day and reminded myself of the gift of grace that I have been given that I don't deserve. That in my most broken places, in the things that I could not fix, my God put on flesh to fix it for me, to offer me a gift that was free, to pay the price for me. That if I reminded myself of that, I couldn't help but want to invite and operate with boldness to the people around me who don't yet know Jesus because I so desperately want them to have the gift that I've received. Because I want them to know Jesus for forever. See, the shepherds experienced a gift from God that was for them. When the world had constantly told them, God could never choose you. God would never extend a gift to you. You aren't even allowed in the temple. Don't get near our kids. And upon receiving this gift that they thought was impossible... In their dirtiest of places, they acted with boldness. And this, y'all, is what happened on the back end of their boldness. In verse 18, all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. Y'all, until I went back and I read this passage again in preparation for this morning, you know what I had failed to realize? Following Jesus began right there. Not 30 years later, when Jesus began his public ministry. Following Jesus began right there, right in that moment, on the backs of some dirty, smelly, unclean shepherds who saw a gift and were moved by boldness to share that gift. Following Jesus began all because of a moment of boldness. You see, for some reason or another, many of us walk in here and we feel an awful lot like the shepherds. Am I right? Your story seems to prove that you're not good enough. You're broken. You're a hypocrite. You've got a checkered past. Maybe you're an introvert. You've made mistakes. You're not sure what to say. You're scared. And you're just not enough to do anything of significance and to live a little bit more boldly. And yet from that first moment that God put on flesh, the announcement to the shepherds proves this truth, not just in their story, but right here, right now in yours and in mine as well. 
we have a God who often chooses the unlikely to do the extraordinary. We have a God who's in the business of choosing the unlikely to do the extraordinary. And this truth doesn't just apply to the way in which you view yourself. It also applies to the people in which you are acting with boldness, in the way in which you love them, in the way in which you invite them. Because understanding this, that God chooses the unlikely to do the extraordinary, you know what that does in our interactions with other people? It curbs our judgmental attitudes. They're not good enough for God. They're not good enough to walk into a church. They're not good enough for my invite. That understanding, it also spikes our urgency. It inspires you to boldness when you understand that no one is too far from God's reach. When you understand that no one is too low for God's love and that no one is too broken for God's grace. And because of that, y'all, we can say to hell with hesitation. And some of y'all are more concerned that we just said hell in church than that people might actually go to hell. Y'all okay? Man, what would it look like for us to make a slight adjustment to the way in which we love, to the way in which we speak, to the way in which we invite because if you're serious about following Jesus, this is a non-negotiable, y'all. If you're serious about following Jesus, what would it look like every morning for you to wake up, for you to remind yourself of the gift that's been given, and for you to say this one simple prayer over your life, over your day? Maybe you write it in your cell phone. Maybe you put it on the mirror of your bathroom. What would change if every day we woke up and we prayed the prayer, God, make me bold? God, make me bold. And let me just warn y'all, this is your opportunity, your, your get out of jail free card. If you start praying this prayer, you're going to begin to see moments. And so if you don't want to see moments where God can use your boldness to change somebody else's life and somebody else's eternity, don't pray the prayer. But if you want to be used for something bigger, if you want to operate out of trust, you have no idea how God might use one moment of boldness to change somebody else's life. This one simple prayer to start your day could change everything. God, make me bold. 2,000 years ago, there was a defining moment. An announcement was made, and the announcement was this. A Savior is here. And that announcement presented a choice. Do we hesitate, or do we act now? And some 2,000 years later, that announcement is still true. A Savior is here.
that's a message that needs spoken in the way in which you treat others, in the way in which you love others, in the way in which you live in front of others. And in that perfect moment where you invite others. But it's also a message that could be spoken into your life, into your circumstances. Today, a Savior is here. And in the midst of whatever you're going through, a Savior is here who is bigger than your depression. A Savior is here who is bigger than your addiction. A Savior is here who is bigger than your finances. A Savior is here who is bigger than your hurt. A Savior is here who is bigger than your pain. A Savior is here who is bigger than your sins and your shame and your guilt. What if there was an urgency birthed out of your transformed life? What would happen if you were bold? That in one moment of boldness, the lost might be found. The blind might see. The dead might come to life. That in one moment, of boldness. God might break the chains of addiction. God might free people from depression and restore broken relationships and answer prayers and change countless lives. You have no idea what God might do through one moment. A savior is here, and his name is Jesus. Would you pray with me? In this moment, this moment of silence, with all eyes, eyes closed, with all heads bowed, Maybe you walked into this place. What you feel is this overwhelming sense that you're not good enough. Much like the shepherds, you're on the lowest rung of this spiritual ladder. And there's no way, because of my broken, dirty past, God could want anything to do with me. And yet some 2,000 years ago, our God set the record straight. I bring you good news of great joy for all people. My announcement came to the lowest of lows to show you that this king came to make the last first. This king came not for the cleanest of places, but for the dirtiest. And so maybe today is the day where you put that myth behind you. This king named Jesus came for you. This savior is here, right here, right now. In the middle of your circumstances, in the middle of your struggle, in the middle of feeling as if you'll never be good enough.
today that couldn't be further from the truth. And maybe today because of that is the day that you say yes to this Jesus, to this Savior who came for you. And if that's you this morning, man, taking that step is as simple as repeating this prayer your own heart and your own mind. Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending your son. I thank you for the announcement you gave to the shepherds that conveyed a message that sets the record straight in my mind in my life, that you came for me when I was most broken, when I didn't feel good enough. You came for all my mess, for all my sin. And because of that today, God, I'm inviting you my Savior, into my life. I'm acting out of obedience, out of surrender. Lord, because of this gift, this is my step of boldness. I thank you for how much you love me. It's in your name that I pray. Heavenly Father, for all of us, those of us who know you this morning, may we say no more to hesitation. There are people in our life who do not yet know you, who are waiting for an invitation, who are waiting for us to love them differently, for us to act and live differently in our world with this sense of urgency and this sense of boldness. And so God, on this day, I pray for myself, I pray for each and every one of us that we would wake up every day and have the courage to pray this prayer. God, make me bold. Make me bold for the world around me. Allow me to believe that we have no idea how God might use one moment of boldness to change someone else's life. God, may we step out in courage because of the gift that you gave us, the gift that we didn't deserve. We thank you for that. It's in your name that we pray.